Warning, this is the final chapter of First One Out, which contains full spoilers for the season premiere of Survivor Heroes vs. Healers vs. Hustlers. Proceed accordingly. Survivor chronicles the lives of 18 strangers stranded together in the middle of nowhere, forced to build and destroy their own new world. Over the course of several weeks, these island-dwelling men and women are locked in a physically and mentally exhausting battle to outwit, outplay, and outlast each other, voting each other out every three days at the terrible temple known as Tribal Council. After 39 days, one of these castaways will walk away as the sole survivor, in possession of the million-dollar prize that goes along with the coveted title. After only three days... One survivor will walk away from years of dreaming about this journey. Months and months of surviving a grueling casting process. Weeks and weeks of preparation for the game. Days and days on lockdown. And the guarantee of more than a month away from everything and everyone they know and love, no matter how early they lose their life in the game. All for only three days of actual playtime. This podcast is the story of finding this season's first sacrifice to the fearsome survivor gods. This is First One Out. Survivor, Season 35, Day Negative One. So I've got three cards for you. Uh, On the first one, please write, hello, my name is Katrina. And then on the other two, I would like you to write how you plan to win Survivor. Your story of how you plan to win Survivor with two more cards. And then we're going to take photos of it. My name is Katrina. Yes. And then on the next next one, on the next two cards, however you plan to win Survivor. I win Survivor 35. And because I know how to win... I've done it many times. I know how to connect to people. Okay, well, there's so much more, really, I mean, that about why I think I'm going to win. But um, there's a famous quote, I mean, it's actually by uh, isn't it Einstein that talks about the vibration. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you put out there what you're really looking for and you create the vibration and you hold on to it and imagine the energy going through you and, you hold, and you let it really flow, Yeah. it's not, it's not uh, philosophy, it's science. Yeah. It's, uh, you actually, it becomes real. Yeah. And uh, the trick is to let go of the fears that come up around all of that. So I've been working on that. I mean, I imagine it, I imagine what happens. And in the end, all these players, it doesn't really matter. Who gets the photo off first doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I mean, it doesn't affect my game, right? Yeah. Um, it might or might not. But, right. you know, like uh, Denise, for example, she was on the bottom of her tribe sometimes. And on A top. lot, yeah. often. She went to every single yeah. tribal council. And you, you have to stay non tap. Oh, that's the other thing I probably should write down. Yeah. Staying true to myself. So I can trust my inner guide and my angels and whoever else wants to help me. (laughs) I also believe my story needs to be told and therefore by winning it'll help be able to do that. You know, in terms of empowering others to get through illnesses or whatever, injury or in sports or, you know, as parents uh, can empower many. And so it's important that I get to the end. And my son will kick me. Oh, well. <laughs> my kids will not be happy about it. <laughs> right. We'll write that on there. Okay, so let's go take some pictures over here and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. So we will... <laughs> they, they want to do... They have a list of what they I had them do a list. 
you had your, yeah. your kids do it. So you can imagine what, how old they're going to do. Here, where do you want to stand? Anyway, this is our stage. The world is on. For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wiggler. Katrina Radke is the first one out. Chapter 6. Final Words. It's April 5th. 2017, late at night. An electric didgeridoo purrs in the darkness, an unholy noise in the middle of the Fijian wilderness. It's a generator, about a two-minute walk downhill from the sacred site of tribal council. But it's more than that. It's the guttural hum of an ancient deity, one that feeds on the hopes and ambitions of adventurers, swallowing them whole if the castaway is lucky, chewing them to bits and licking the plate clean if they're not. After the feast, the beast curls into a ball, emits its primal yawn, and swiftly falls asleep, digesting the dreams. Three days later, rinse and repeat. This year, the first one offered to the Survivor God's Altar, a 17-course menu, served over the course of 39 days, is Katrina Radke, 46 years old from Excelsior, Minnesota. A mother, a wife, a therapist, an Olympian, a hero, and a Survivor fan. Someone who is very much looking forward to slugging it out against the healers and the hustlers, and even her fellow heroes, in the weeks ahead. You know, sometimes you can see the Survivor show, you can, there's a few people you can look at and you just know, oh my God, they might be depressed, they might be really a gremlin, you know, hiding in their closet yes. or something like that. This cast seems very clean. Like, um, I, I'm curious to find out how many are like athletes, you know. I know one guy's a rock climber and I can just tell by his nails or his hands, you know, and uh, his back. Um, and I can tell a few of the females definitely are athletes. and. Um, but I know, you know, when we get stripped down to not having food and all this other stuff out there, it's going to be intense for everybody. So people are going to have their moments. But as a group, I think people have a vision of, hey, let's go out there and be gamers together. Yeah. So that I feel really excited about. Among her many roles in life, Katrina is a dreamer. She is someone who has built her world on the premise of actualizing the vision. And yet, there was no actualizing this vision falling first in the war to win the million dollars and the sole survivor title at the end of the Triple H tournament. The thing about all of this is, uh, you know, three days into the game, one of these people will be the first person sent home. Yep. That's pretty intense, right? I guess so. Do you, f- do you feel fear of the first boot at all whatsoever? Maybe None. I should, but I don't. Yeah. No, it's going to be somebody else, I hope. Yeah. Well, what are, what are your thoughts on it? Do you have your, your eyes set on anybody who seems dangerous or seems like they wouldn't be helpful to your plans as somebody that you would So you know what's funny? There's a part of me, I was a corporate executive for a while in my life. I mean, before I raised kids and all that. And uh, I understand the value of making it. And I'm very futuristic in my thinking. I mean, if you knew how I live at home, there's a part of me that's very much, uh, you know, strategic in how I do things. But... I also know that I'm much more at peace in my life when I stay present and don't get too structured. 
maybe 10 years ago, I would have made this huge plan to show up here and study everybody and decide, boom, 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 boom. I mean, I have some ideas who I would like to ally with and stuff like that. But, and I have a feeling of certain people who might end up going home first just because unfortunately, usually some of the quieter people who seem more feminine go home first. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a prediction for who's gonna go first? Oh, I haven't thought about it, to be honest. You, you don't wanna call your shot? <sighs> Here's the deal. If I spend all my time out there trying to think about every possible scenario, I'm gonna be stressed and tired. Yeah. And I got 39 days out there. I gotta, I gotta stay grounded enough to be energetic enough to maintain myself through all those days. Emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically, everything, yeah. right? If I start thinking way too much about all that now, I'm gonna be a mess. Waves crash upon the shore once known as Nuku Beach, and right down on top of me. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what lies beyond and the forces in charge of our lives. I'm not a big believer in magic. But I'll be honest, I do feel some cosmic connection with Survivor, and the first ones out. At least when I've been around to witness their falls firsthand. During my first trip to location, Vitas Pushkowskis was voted out three days after I named him my winner pick. During my second visit to location, Sierra Easton suffered the same fate, three days after Jeff Probst declared her his winner pick for the second year running in a conversation with me. During my third time out to the site of Survivor, neither of us picked Katrina to win, so at least that's one streak broken. For anyone curious, I walked away with a hustler as my official pick to take the prize. Don't let me down, Allie. Even with the winter curse trend bucked, that cosmic feeling of dread reared its head once again the moment I set foot on Hero's Beach and proceeded to immediately get sucked under tide, nearly swallowed whole in the great Fijian Sea. If not for the fine members of the CBS EPK crew who pulled me up moments before it was too late. I owe an endless debt to those guys, heroes, healers, and hustlers in their own right, for not only saving my life, but also saving the bag that contained the recording equipment that's made this podcast possible. Gentlemen, your next Fiji Golds, Merlots, and sugary cocktails of choice are on me. My near-death experience notwithstanding, while wandering through Heroes Beach, a realm that once belonged to the Sarif Fields and Officer Saris of the world, there was a feeling of bad fortune coming Katrina's way. I didn't know at the time that Katrina had already come across a little too aggressively with her fellow tribe mates. Those reports surfaced a day later, during an extended bit of tribal council that didn't make the final version of the episode. Even without that information, I was worried for the Olympian, stuck on a tribe with five people who weren't especially eager to work with her, based on the conversations that we had had in the days leading up to the game. She's a wild card. Oh, she's a wild card. She is a wild card. She is different in every sense of the word. Uh, you can tell she's older um, than me. Um, she's a wild card. She doesn't have that mom look to her. She looks more like after she leaves here, she's going on a backpack trip <laughs> through, I don't know where, through, I don't know. Yeah. But she kind of has that adventurous look about her. Um, yeah, she's a wild card to me. She, she, I think she's going to be a spark. Cool. She's going to be a spark. 
another older girl, she's got her you know, haircut. She looks like she's got herself together. And just by the way, she kind of like carries herself and things like that. So uh, it'd be, you know, maybe something to watch out for, kind of always playing the game and things like that. So hopefully she doesn't play the game too hard, you know. Oh, this poor girl, she's going to get voted off first. You think so? Oh, I do. How come? Because she showed up to um, yesterday with a red sparkly visor. It had red sequins all over it. And I thought, oh, that's just not the way to fit in with these young kids. Mm -hmm. And now she's all in tie-dye today. And you know, I'm sorry, There's, I know we all want to be individuals, and I, I praise her for coming out with her individuality, but individuality in a game of Survivor, they don't necessarily go together. Yeah. Right. You've got to play the game. Chrissy wasn't the only one who called her shot on Katrina. Several others in the cast reached the same conclusion, that Katrina was in early, if not immediate danger. And if not Katrina, than one of the other two quote-unquote older women on the cast, Lauren Rimmer of the Hustlers Tribe, as well as Chrissy herself. So there are three younger blondes and three older blondes. and uh, Too many blondes? One has we to have go? No, we have no brunette except for the girls who are not white. Okay. It's really weird. It's like, what, what are the, the statistics of that are bizarre. Um, anyway, um, and so the three, and the three older blondes, just because, I mean, they all look ready to go but you just I feel like you never know when it when it comes to like the 40s age group on Survivor it's gonna be her or the next girl okay or her mm -hmm. why I don't think they fit in with the rest of the group yeah is that bad for me to say no that's how you feel all right yeah uh, maybe their their gameplay is gonna be exceptional yeah or maybe What's going to happen is somebody else is going to get voted off, and they're going to somebody's going to say we need to leave this person for kind of like a buffer. Yeah, so they, that happens. Yeah, is it you say well you know we're going to leave so and so on the game because they'll be the next option. Yeah, best to go. Yeah, then sometimes those people stay on because they're like well I, if I go to the finale with them I'm sure to win. Yeah, so it's, this game is nothing of certainty. The first person voted out is going to be, um, I think it's going to be the Trish lady, the skinny, uh, short-haired blonde. I, I mean, obviously it depends. I mean, here's a survivor fact for you. Since season 26, the winner, I'm pretty sure this is right. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the winner has avoided that first tribal council. So Cochran didn't go to tribal council. Tyson didn't. Tony didn't. I mean, look at Michelle. Look at Tony. They avoided tribal council. I mean, we're talking double-digit days. That Natalie Anderson, you know, except for the Drew Christie vote off, didn't go to tribal, held her card so close to her vest, you know? I mean, that is vital. And a guy like David, who had to go to every tribal council except for one, and then he had to go to another one, Premier, and you know, they're just adding up, and he was playing idols. It's just tough, and... Just a hot take, you know, that's, I think, who's going to be off um, pre-merge. I hope that's not, or first one out, I hope that's not the case because she really is excited to be here, I could tell, but it's just the way the game goes, you know, a lot of people look for that, a lot of people look for that uh, weaker person, whether male or female, and I think it, it could be her. So of all the people that I showed you, including yourself, somebody here is going to be the first person voted out. Who do you think it's going to be? Cancer survivor mom. Yeah, why? Because she's already sunburned like 30 times more than everybody here. And I think that she was nervous when she got here and she's not getting any less nervous as time goes on. Not everybody predicted Katrina as the first one out. Indeed, since we just gave the most recent word to Simone Wynn, 
It's worth pointing out that several people on the cast looked at Simone as someone who could very easily go home first. I hate to say this, like only based on physical appearance. I typically think that girls go home first. Just from the little things I've seen, you know, I'm not sure. Again, if she slides by, it's gonna be because someone else made a big mistake that was obvious. I just feel like she's forgettable and doesn't seem to have much to offer anyone. You know, those who don't seem like they have much to offer physically seem like oh, there might be something there that they can offer uh, tactic-wise or, you know, mentally or be very smart or help with, you know, food, shelter, anything that's gonna be helpful at first. Because at first, you know, you need a strong group and then it's gonna start getting down to those individuals. But I don't, I don't see that she's gonna have too much to offer. I lean towards either the knucklehead kid or the Asian girl. The knucklehead kid Desi Williams refers to as Patrick Bolton, whose name came up as a potential first one out when I asked executive producer Matt Van Wagnen to make his prediction on day one. I think that Patrick is in a bit of trouble. He would be someone I would think about. I think Simone, maybe, um, would be someone who we might be looking at. Um, I wonder about Katrina a little. Um, and for the Heroes Tribe, and if I had a healer, huh, I don't think the healers are going to travel. You think they're okay? I think they're okay. Watching them today, I, I saw them. They were they were kick-ass. And, and maybe it's, I'm just willing it because I, I, I really like that group. I think that they're, um, I think they're going to do all right. The healers did more than all right. They straight up kicked ass and didn't even need to ask for names across the season's first two challenges. The quest for fire during the marooning, and the very first immunity challenge a few days later. The way the premiere played out would have you believe the end of the challenge was a three-way nail-biter, but as Jervis Peterson would say, don't let that fool you. The healers soared to a quick and decisive second victory, left to do little more than hug it out and tap their feet as they waited for the heroes and the hustlers to seal the deal. As for the hustlers, well... It wasn't the first time they took their sweet time finishing a challenge. They barely finished at all during the marooning, their raft racing around in circles for what felt like an eternity while watching from the beach, sweating it out due to the Fijian heat. One can only imagine how much Patrick was sweating, susceptible to sunburns as he is. Gosh, you're so freaking hot. But Patrick probably wasn't sweating as much as the bellhop Ryan Ulrich. No matter what comes next for the Super Duper fan, Ryan can walk away with his head held high, knowing he was the person who walked away with the first hidden advantage in the game. A super idol, playable only at the first tribal council, found by Ryan at the tail end of the marooning. Proats tells a great story about how the discovery was made. I'm on the boat, and we only have one signal on that boat, and it's from our guy Millhouse, one of our challenge guys, and it's a thumbs up that lets me know the advantage has been found. That's it. Everything else is just chaos. And so I'm seeing all the people scurrying around, and it was madness, and I was throwing stuff over, and I'm looking at Millhouse, and he's not giving me the thumbs up, and I'm looking like sideways, hey, dude, are you giving me the thumb? Shakes his head no, and I realize nobody's found it yet. And I know where it is. It couldn't be more obvious. I watch Patrick go right by it. I watch JP go right by it. And Millhouse is like, nope, they're walking right by it. And they got down to there's only two people on the boat, Ryan and Patrick. And Ryan's wandering around and he says something like, is there anything left on this boat? And then he walks up and passes Patrick 
and picks up like an orange and then double takes and quickly grabs it and shoves it in his shorts and goes overboard. It's an incredible Survivor moment. And if you watch, I don't know if we have the shot, but when they're getting into shore, his tribe loses. The hustlers get to the beach last. And he's trying to get out of the boat and it's falling out of his shorts. And he's messing with his shorts trying to hide it. But nobody else knows he has anything. So it just looks like he's, you know, rearranging his swimsuit or whatever. Those are the moments as a production that you high five and you go, it worked out great. And we have a great storyteller who has it. And he's a super fan. He'll love it. And he'll do something with it. Ryan did a few somethings with the Super Idol. First, he told someone about it. Surf instructor Devin Pinto. Someone Ryan wasn't exactly overly impressed with a few days earlier. If he was any more laid back, he'd fall over. Okay. He sits with his back against the tree with coconuts right over him, doesn't care that they might crack his head. He does not care. He's got, you know what, I got another head, you know? Stares off into space constantly, is uh, reading a surfing book, just cover to cover, page to page. Um, and he, he seems like he's really, really laid back. I'm not laid back. I'm not a bro. I, I've never surfed, you know? I, I don't like swimming in the ocean. So it's, uh, that, but that's all he cares about. I mean, he's, he's, his base tan is phenomenal, phenomenal base tan. So that's someone who I'm not alike, but um, he's threatening because I don't want to compare him to like Fabio or anybody like that, but he's so laid back and like he's not going to think like strategically and nobody's going to think he's a threat like, like yeah. you know, other people are. Maybe Ryan realized there was more than meets the eye with this veritable Fabio type at the time of the marooning, during a great moment that didn't make the show. After his tribe was utterly annihilated in the race for fire by the healers and heroes, Devin openly lamented that he and his fellow hustlers were branded with the red buff, which has something of a villainous connotation in Survivor history. Literally, it's the same color worn by the villains tribe of season 20, which is an observation that would only be made by somebody who watches the show. Here's my chat with Van Wagnon about that moment, a couple of hours after it happened. Uh, he talked about the red buff curse, which is something I'd never even thought about. Either and I, it was great, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what's gonna make air, but I just love that he, like, he was like, well, in season 20, you put the villains in the red buff, and so that can't be a good thing. I was like, whoa, hold on, we were not like putting you guys in the villain category, but the fact that he actually knew that, I mean, it was not, definitely wasn't on, on point for theme or for story, but I was like, okay, he's paying attention. He, he, he's looking at it, which was impressive. The one thing about that was, I, I feel like Devin has an advantage in that he doesn't seem like the super fan type. Right. That he doesn't appear to be the super fan type. What are you saying the super type? Uh, <laughs> more, more along the lines of this. Uh, I, I feel like, in saying a line like that, I don't know if that's a benefit or a curse, but it certainly outs him as somebody who who knows the show decently well, right? But I think it's one of those things where the peop it makes it so that people who have game want to play with someone like that. That was the, that's the flip side of it. I, I feel like like, a, like a Ryan could be like, oh, interesting. Like maybe we can connect. Right. I, I I was talking about this with someone the other day. I feel like we're at a point now where game recognizes game. You know, where you're looking at people, you want to get to the end. And it used to be if someone knew the game, you'd be intimidated by them. Now you look at it as someone who's willing to make moves. Now you look at it as someone who, hey, I can do damage with. Whereas there's someone who is a little less flexible, who is a little bit uh, lower on the um, survivor knowledge, 
those people, you know, we kind of sometimes jokingly call them um, strategy clogs because they can't they can't fathom the idea that you're pitching to them and they're just like I got my six and I'm all good and then and then they're not and then when you want to make a move they're the person who's not going to be making a move you want someone who has some flexibility who knows the game well enough who's who's anxious to play the game you want someone on your side like that so that you know later on when you need them they're ready to move with you it would seem that game did indeed recognize game with Ryan ready to move forward with Devin at least at this early state of the season. Once more, for the player haters. No worries, yeah. I'm here to play. By the time the three tribes reached the immunity channel, Ryan had filled Devin in on the super idol, which would have to be transferred to the losing tribe in the event that the hustlers managed to avoid tribal council. Moments before the challenge began, a little birdie filled me in on Devin and Ryan's plan of attack. I was giddy. It's fun to watch the game unfold live and in person. In fact, here's my live attempt to process the plan, featuring cameos from the anonymous duo who saved my life at Heroes Beach. I love these guys, but they don't closely follow Survivor's game mechanics by their own admission, so we're going to start out with me catching them up on what exactly Ryan found. And it's a super idol, which means that if you have it and you get voted out, you then play it after you've been voted out. You don't have to play it beforehand, so you're definitely safe if you possess this thing. Um, Ryan is the guy who found this super idol during the marooning, and that's awesome because he's a super fan, and he understands the utility of how this works. So he's going to be fine if he gets targeted, but if his team wins, then he has to will the idol to the losing tribe, uh, and he gets to give it to anybody he wants. Um, Apparently he's told... Devin about this. He's told Devin that he has this super idol and Devin and Ryan have now like forged kind of like a strategic partnership over it and they talked through all of the different possibilities of who they should possibly give it to. If the heroes lose, they want to give it to Chrissy. If the healers lose, they want to give it to Rourke. And the idea is they want to give it to somebody who's going to be able to hang on to it, not get voted for because if they survive this first tribal council, yes, this idol is technically dead, uh, but they but still have the too. they still have the physical object, yeah. and they could potentially use that as a bluff at some point later on in the game. And they're trying to engender goodwill with somebody from the other tribe. So they're trying to make an early cross tribe alliance. And Ryan when and they, Devin are already it, connected they, on that do they, front. Do they give it publicly? I don't know. I don't know That'd how that works. I would guess not. Um, but maybe I don't maybe. know. Or maybe not. Turns out there was no public transfer involved at all with the idol. It was a private transaction, with Ryan sending the idol on over to actual actuary Chrissy Hoffbeck, one of the two oldest players of the Heroes tribe, and therefore on the outs. Chrissy, by the way, closed out that first immunity challenge by puking all over the place. Remind you of anyone? No? Just me? At the very least, the surreality of the moment was not lost on Matt Van Wagnen, who just a day or two earlier tweeted out to the world that I nearly vomited while test running the punishing challenge. I have to say also, um, someone threw up. The fulfillment of the prophecy. <laughs> so I was really... You was came, great. Matt came down from, you know, the, the end of the challenge is like on this tall platform. You came down from the stairs and like you came straight to me and said, we're going to have to make sure to look at the timestamp on when we sent out that tweet uh, because people are going to think that we made that up after the fact. 
It's like some Final Destination stuff. I have to imagine that you have a little soft spot in your, your heart for Chrissy for the rest of this game. Big she, time. She is playing for you. She is, <laughs> she is your spirit animal yeah. out there. Yeah. But, but I will say, I was happy to see the Hustlers come through. I, I like to see a healthy back and forth between all the tribes. Um, I was happy, I mean, you know, as, from a production standpoint, it's fun to see the secret advantage play off in this um, in this way where someone from another tribe gets it. So that's uh, fulfillment. Um, and I like that group. They're, it's funny, they are they're underdogs and they're scrappy and they are a little dysfunctional. And like I think I said to you before, they're like the Bad News Bears, one of my favorite sports movies of all time. And uh, so I was happy to see them see them uh, do well do i think they're gonna make it run run it all the way to the merge without losing probably not but it was fun to see them get uh, a good step ahead like every single person that i thought would be the first person out was on that tribe yeah. so basically when they lost i didn't really know where this was gonna go yeah i know so it was a nice surprise for you too The Hustlers coming back from a rocky start wasn't the only time I was surprised during those first three days. Perhaps my biggest shock of all came from someone who was nearly my winner pick, NFL player Alan Ball. Everybody's out here. Uh, one of you guys is going to win. Hopefully you. That mm -hmm. would be awesome. Mm -hmm. But somebody goes home first. Right. You know, Somebody goes through all of this, all of the casting, yeah. all of the finals, staying in Ponderosa. <sighs> For three days of survival, and they suck. get their torch snuffed. That shit sucks. It's a very intense prospect. That shit sucks. Like, to go through this shit and then be the first one to go, <laughs> that, like, I, I understand, like, how, like, the gravity of that now, like, being here. I understand how fucking shitty that is. <laughs> like, yeah, but somebody has to go. <laughs> somebody has to go. Are you worried? No. For yourself? No, no, not a chance. Not a chance. I'm not worried about myself at all while we're in groups. I'm not. I, I think that I offer, yeah, it strategically for people to say we got to get rid of him because he's a physical threat. Yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, doesn't make sense to get one of your, really one of your strongest people early that early. So I think people may have put themselves in a position to get rid of me before we merge and they have to compete against me individually. But at the same time, I don't plan on showing much more than I have to. And fortunately enough, this season, we've cast, they've casted a lot of guys who are physical threats. Do you feel protected by that? I do, I do. I know, and that's why I have to be careful in what I do in terms of when we compete and just my competitiveness because I don't think blow for blow physically the guys here can stick with me. That's just me being me, who I am. And so I have to be mindful of that and just kind of do just enough to help my team, do just enough to be relevant, but not over the top. Because I know testosterone is going to take over somewhere along the line with this group of guys. It's, 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 it, it has to. If it's, it, you look at the guys, it has to. Testosterone is going to kick in. It has to. You can see, by the way, guys ripping their shirts off. It has to happen. And I'm going to control that. That's my goal is to control that, that I'm just going to let it take over for them. And I'm going to do just enough when I have to and need to. And, um, yeah, and hopefully enough. Hopefully, I may be one of the ones saying, hey, we need to get rid of that guy. He's a physical threat. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of where I want to be at. Consider it another prophecy fulfilled, if only partially and unexpectedly. 
Alan very much turned up the volume on the testosterone, and we saw the removal of more than just a shirt when it came to the football player's confrontation with the firefighter J.P. Hilsebeck. Heading into tribal council, I started hearing rumors about what had happened one night earlier, that Alan had grown suspicious of the bond between J.P. and Ashley Nolan and the possibility of an idol in their possession. I even heard whispers that J.P. had stripped down to the buff and not the survivor kind in order to allay Alan's fears, but so much for that working out based on the events of the heated First Tribal Council, in which Alan spent literally at least an hour doubling down on his accusations, repeatedly uttering a phrase that ultimately became the name of the premiere. I'm not crazy. I'm confident. Watching the scene unfold from a live feed, a building or two away from the electric didgeridoo, I was utterly exhausted by Alan's tireless and unblinking rhetoric. And when I say unblinking, I mean it. Alan's eyes were wide open for virtually the entire tribal council. Impressive, yes, on a purely physical level, but also incredibly alarming. A far cry from the cool, calm, and collected individual I had interviewed just a few days earlier. Maybe it shouldn't have been such a shock on further reflection, at least if we're operating under the assumption that this was a premeditated plan of attack. I would frame anybody. I would frame just about anybody out here if I had to. I, matter of fact, I'm actually eager to frame you someone. You want to frame somebody? Yeah, I, I think that's one of my goals. How are you going to do it? I haven't decided yet. It's going to be something that comes up. Just the idea of of your word against their word, I think is intriguing to me and me being know, knowing who, who's telling the truth. Yeah, but I would definitely frame somebody. I would definitely... If somebody had an idol, I find it, hide it from them. I would definitely do all of these things. Like, I don't think if it arises where I know I can get away with it, I'm doing it. Whether or not Alan gets away with it in the long term, and whether or not Alan was actively making a calculated move rather than actively losing his mind, remains to be seen. Here's what we do know. Alan has gotten away with it for now, at Katrina's expense. With that said... In the build-up to the vote, there was a growing feeling of concern that the axe would fall on J.P., and that he would be my interview subject the following morning at Ponderosa. One can only imagine the very, let's call it different, tone that this final chapter of First One Out may have taken in that case. You know, scratch your back, scratch my back. You know, I'm sure he's a great person, got a lot to offer and things like that. Uh, same thing, you know, just just another girl and uh, just see what happens with it all. As a team, you know, kind of like, you know, where I work, things like that. You know, it's one of those things, yeah, we might get along great, but it's one of those things you can't be buddy-buddy, you know, see see where it goes and things like that. It all kind of depends, you know. It's just, uh, just one of those things, same thing, you know, you never judge a book by its cover. Don't really know too much about it or anything like that, but, uh, you know, just like I said, see what happens. Honestly, that's a pretty good indicator of what it was like to watch J.P. struggle through tribal council, under heavy fire from Allen, but either unable or unwilling to fully defend himself against the accusations. Again, somewhat ironic, given the relatively wise words J.P. had to say a few days earlier on the subject of handling a tribal council interrogation. Jeff is definitely uh, one of those guys who's going to put you on the spot. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know... You're sitting there at travel council, you know, during the challenges and things like that. I like it straight to the point. But when you get to travel council, you got to be able to uh, 
kind of have your thoughts together and be able to explain yourself because he's going to put you on your spot because, you know, obviously he wants it for the drama, for the show and that type of thing. But, you know, you just got to be able to, you know, keep yourself together, you know, and not let the, you know, the days, you know, wear on you and just be able to, you know, come back with good responses, you know, and just don't let them get at you. Alan's active accusations and JP's stoic reaction aside, it was a telling evening for the rest of the Heroes tribe. Ben Drebergen, for one, stayed cool under pressure, doing his best to put out the fires where JP couldn't. Likewise, Ashley Nolan was impressively calm, especially given her position in the thick of Alan's crosshairs. For someone who had spewed her guts out only a few hours earlier, Chrissy Hoffbeck was surprisingly sturdy too, though maybe it's a less impressive effort than Ben and Ashley's showing, since Chrissy was sitting on a super idol, and therefore was the only player in the room with a locked and loaded look at day number four. And then there's the matter of Katrina Ratke, deadly deep in shark-infested waters, entering that tribal council keenly aware that it could be her first and only trip to this temple. The threat of being pulled under the tide and swept away into the vast ocean of survivor history was clearly on her mind, as she made one final pitch to save herself right before the vote, a moment that was cut from the premiere, likely because it was both unsuccessful and ultimately a hollow plea that would not stay, as she refused to directly throw any of her competitors under the bus, or under the boat, as it were. Instead, the heroes unanimously decided to throw Katrina overboard, with no amount of Olympic experience able to save this legendary swimmer from the pole of the proverbial sea. A few minutes after the vote, the heroes are back on a boat headed toward camp. Minutes later, Katrina's on a boat of her own, sailing toward Ponderosa, where she will spend the next several days awaiting the game's remaining pregame castaways. In the morning, I'll be sitting across from Katrina, speaking with her about her first and only three days in the game, while the wounds are still fresh. First, I travel beyond the humming generator and into the thick of tribal council proper to speak with Jeff about Katrina's fate and all of the madness that led up to her fateful elimination. Here we are at tribal council. Yeah, moments after the first tribal. How do you feel? Well, and you can still hear the crew in the background, because I know you like to paint the picture. Uh, People are still wrapping gear out. Um, Oh, we're off to a fantastic start. I, I mean, that was that's proof, I think, when people see it, that there's no turning back on Survivor. People are playing, and you can come into Tribal 100% safe and mess up your game. And it, it looked like, you know, Alan almost did. He almost talked himself out of here tonight. Um, that was wild. I would love to get your take on everything that was happening with Alan, because I, I walked away from my interview with him so super impressed. Um, and. I thought that he was like a very collected guy, like a calm guy. That was the opposite of calm. Yeah, well, it's hard to know, at least for me, this early in, what everybody's truth is. Alan's very convinced he saw something. He thinks there's something up with Ashley and JP. And he's also aware that by making that claim, he puts a target on his back. And he's self-aware enough to say, so you should probably get rid of me. It was a really layered awareness that he had of what was going on and absolutely entertaining. 
And I think that when Chrissy said, you know, the game is really still happening right now, that really summed it up that you're not, you can come into tribal with a really good idea and maybe you'll stick with it. But something like that happens with Alan and suddenly the game's up in the air. And then Katrina says, look, there's an opening. It shouldn't be me. And, you know, I think the audience going into that tribal will be as uncertain as we all were. I didn't really know who was going to go home. Yeah, I had a feeling that it was going towards Katrina at the start. But once Alan started up, like, you know, tribal is so alive these days yeah. that all I, I felt like somebody just had to toss Alan's name out there and say, like, you know, Alan's talking nonsense. Maybe we should go against Alan. Well, um, and then you also have JP who did not defend himself once, despite... 15 questions from me. Yeah, you tried. You know, you you know, if you're a dentist and your job is to pull teeth, like his teeth just would not go. Yeah, so that was really curious to me. That here's a guy who's being linked in with with Ashley. With a conspiracy. A conspiracy. And he doesn't say anything. The entire tribal was about that and he just had these sports clichés. So I don't know if that's his game either. For all I know, he's back at camp going, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna play anything other than this sort of jock sort of role, but here's what's really happening. Or I don't know if he didn't get it at all. And then you have Ben on the corner, super bright, clearly. Great personality, trying to keep jovial. Hey, it's all good, we'll figure it out. And then maybe the, the brightest in the bunch, Chrissy, who expertly digested everything that was happening and then spit it out in about 10 words. Here's what's going on, Jeff. Yeah, she's a good talker. She uh, is. She's really good. Um, ben, I'm, I was really impressed with Ben as well. Uh, he seems like he's kind of a backbone for this group. Do you get that sense too? Yeah. And I, you know, that's how we felt when we met him. It's weird that some people just have that. But you look to Ben and you go, I trust you and I know you can probably get me out of some jams and I'm going to be loyal to you. I think Ben's in for a while. I agree. I think that's a man who's been through some shit. Yeah, but, you know, we say that, but that has nothing to do with Survivor. It's, it's fascinating to me that you and I would both agree that we think he's here for a while when the fact that we both agree should actually make him a target on some level, and yet I don't think anybody's going to get rid of him for a while. I think if Chrissy cannot give away how bright she is with her vocabulary and her critical thinking and her conceptual awareness... She could be here for a while now. Would she be the person you're most worried about next on that tribe in terms of, um, not, not worried personally, but in terms of, like, is that the person you think is the most at risk in this group I right have, now? After this, I don't, after tonight, I don't know. It's too combustible. Yeah, because I think Alan's accusations may do some damage. How can you not listen, how can you listen to him and not on some level go, what did he see? Because he's pretty sure he saw something. And then you have JP silent. I would go, huh, why aren't you talking, dude? Why aren't you defending yourself? That's why I was so surprised that he didn't. So I don't know on this tribe. I, I think it's up in the air. If we had a tr another tribal right now, I think it would be really interesting. I think so, too. If there was just like a back-to-back, -back, oh, yeah. God, that would be intense. But um, what a first episode. Yeah, do you, can you sense that, you know, when you guys are filming this? I feel... You've got a great first episode on your hands. You had an incredible marooning. Yeah. Um, it sounds like there were some incredible things happening back at camp. It seems like um, the idle twist has has played in an interesting way, maybe mm -hmm. unexpected, but in a cool way. Right. Um, a remarkable challenge today and a ridiculous tribal council. Yeah. Can you feel when you have a great yeah. episode? Yeah. And, and it's not, 
it's not even that we look at it and because I agree with you, but we also just look at it and say, we're, we're, we chose well, we chose good people. Cause all the things you just listed, they're all connected to the people. And that's Lynn and you know, everybody that works so hard to try to figure this out. I just am so excited with these people. I really am. And I, I feel badly that Katrina was first out, but looking at it, if I were just voting like what you guys should do, I think they made the right choice. She wasn't fitting in. She could probably fit in on a different tribe really well, but on this group, her, her mojo wasn't gelling. And unfortunately you can't swap. If Katrina could have said, listen, can I mutiny? She'd probably still be in the game, but this group of five, they could, they could be strong if they can get it together. What do you think about Katrina tonight? Uh, do you think that she sensed that she was in great danger? Yes. I think Katrina knew she made an early mistake. She kind of acknowledged that, I guess she came out of the gate really fast. I don't know any of that, but I can see how that could have happened just by the way she talks because she's really engaging and she wants to connect and that maybe she overconnected. You know, she, she went too far to try to get to know people. And it sounds like from what Chrissy said, that's what happened. But then she said she owned it. It's a terrible spot to be in. You know, it's like you're in front of a judge and they're going to sentence you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's sort of what's happening here. There's other people and if they want you out, there just isn't anything you can do about it. You're out. And so everything she sacrificed to get here, three days, she walked off tribal and I'm sure she's upset or mad or both. What's wild about that analogy is that she's, you know, the person standing in front of the judge. It's like her court date but then like a crime broke out in the middle of her trial. <laughs> That's funny. You're right. I mean, that it's like arrest this man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Get it. All, and then I'll walk out the back uh, of the courtroom. Yeah. I wish that she had said something to throw him under the bus when she, when, you know, she, uh, you know, she stopped, you know, tribal was ready to go to the vote. Yeah. And she had something to say. Yeah. And I, and I feel like they're like, she just didn't take it all the way. You know, I, th- I think it was a great, time to take a stand well i asked her if not you then who exactly and she didn't say she didn't toss anything out and and at this point on survivor the players would say who they would say i'll tell you exactly who and why here's why and here's what's going to happen if you don't and here's what's going to happen with me if you keep me all of that but you know everybody's got a different strategy it's easy for you and me we sit here and talk oh yeah neither one of us has spent a day in the damn jungle oh this is all i do you know all i do (laughs) is talk um I'm talking to Katrina tomorrow. Okay. Um, I've never done that. I've never talked to somebody who was voted out the night before and talked to them the next day. What do you think I'm in for? Well, you know, our psychologists on the show would tell you that there are four really tough vote outs. The first vote, the one before the uh, jury, the one before the merge, and the one before final, that fourth person. And so Katrina's, you know, it's, it's not a badge anybody wants. She seems to be really a pretty cool woman, you know, who's been through a lot. So I'm sure she'll be happy to talk to you. But I would be trying to figure out how to interview somebody who, you know, is probably preoccupied with thinking, I had 36 more days planned and there's nothing I can do. I am done, and it doesn't feel good, Josh. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get a wide-eyed Josh at some point. She talks a lot. 
She's going to talk. I'll be curious how she feels because I'd be devastated. Me too. I would be. I would, I would question myself. I'd question my ability to read people and read situations and what did I do wrong? And am I absolutely just not likable? Is that what it was? And I don't think it was that for Katrina. I don't think it was likability. I think it was just the four of us gelled. You and Chrissy didn't. We kept Chrissy. We got rid of you. And Chrissy's probably in trouble now. But is it better to have loved and lost than to not have loved at all? <laughs> yes. Because this is still, look at us. We're in a, a place that is actually built. I was over here the last several days watching these guys paint it. But if we brought the listeners here onto this, you would not think this was made. This looks real. It looks like an old shipping factory from the 1800s, right? Yeah, no, 100%. It's insane. Uh, and she's been living out on a beach for three days. And they maybe they caught fish and maybe they made a cool fire. I don't know. But she's got stories. It's just... It's just you got to go home and tell your family, I was the first. I hope she has a great vacation. Yes, so do I. Katrina's vacation, such as it is, begins at Ponderosa, an hour away from Tribal Council by boat. It's an unpleasant journey in the middle of the day on relatively rocky waters, so one can only imagine what it's like to endure in the dead of night, mere moments after your death in the game. She has stories, Probst says about Katrina. I hope he's right, I'm thinking to myself, as Ponderosa comes within sight. The pre- and post-game purgatory consists of an expansive network of bungalows, positioned on a lush stretch of land right across the way from full Fijian civilization. Katrina isn't alone here. The rad group of pre-merge castaways, as Vitas Bushkowskis might describe them, have not yet assembled. But the people who run Ponderosa are very friendly company indeed, with roots as deep in survivor lore as season 11. I spend a few minutes with the Ponderosa staff before I'm told Katrina will be with me in just a few minutes. So I set up shop outside by the water's edge, chainsaws occasionally growling in the distance, an audio monument to the jarring journey from the jungle back into civilization, not to mention the local work ethic. I don't know what I'm expecting from Katrina in these final few moments before she sits down with me. I certainly know how I would feel in her shoes, or at least I think I do. This is someone who spent almost two full decades dreaming about Survivor. She applied multiple times across the years, as early as the second season of the series, where Tina Wesson began her Survivor career as a champion before returning a few seasons later to join the ranks of the first ones out. Katrina put her life on hold to come out here. She voyaged away from her family with an eye toward building a new one, a group of men and women she would swim against and run against and lie against and otherwise outwit, outplay, and outlast over the course of 39 days. Instead, 
Katrina walks away with three days of Survivor on the clock. And now, a whole lot of looking at the clock, waiting around, thinking about all that it took to get here. Waiting around, thinking about her loved ones with weeks and weeks to go before she'll feel their embrace again. And even more waiting, months and months of it in fact, before the premiere even airs, after which she'll finally be able to tell the world the full extent of her painfully short experience. That her quest for the million dollars ended before the opening episode's closing credits. If it was me, I would be up to my eyes in as much bad pizza and as many Fiji golds as I could get my hands on. I certainly wouldn't be excited to speak with the geek who grilled me on Survivor for an hour in the oppressive heat just a few days earlier, forced to focus on the loss any further than I already had to. Then again, I'm not Katrina Radke. Would that we all were. How are you? Good to see you again. How are you? Oh, it sucks to be out. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'm a friendly face. Okay. We can we can talk. When Katrina finally comes into view, she's not the blubbering mess that I would be in her shoes. She's smiling. She's laughing. She's a little more somber than she was a few days ago, but she's not subdued. You can't put Katrina Radke in a box, she once told me. And even though her tribe did exactly that when they wrote her name down on ballots and stuffed them in an urn not quite 12 hours earlier, Katrina's already out of the box. Or at the very least, she's kicked the lid off of the thing. Katrina Radke is almost certainly living in some measure of darkness right now. But there's also no question that she already sees the light. Without further ado, my conversation with Katrina Radke the morning after she became the first one out of Survivor Heroes vs. Healers vs. Hustlers. Katrina, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm bummed I'm, I'm voted off so soon. It is what it is, though. Yeah. Yes. Was last night tough? No, I, I knew, I, you know, I was, I'm, I, I was like around, you know, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. And they tried. It was so funny because all the people I saw here at Ponderosa before we actually started the game, not I mean, obviously we weren't talking to anybody, but non-verbally I'm very good at picking up people's energy. I had connected with so many different people I knew. I was so pumped about so many people to work with. And then when I got put with the tribe I was on, I was just like, oh my God, like these are all the people that I really didn't connect with. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Very close, you know, more of a, a very different group. And I knew it was going to be a challenge differently to fit in with the group. And uh, so, yeah, it was an interesting deal. So when you saw you all had the same blue buff, you're like, oh, no, this is... I mean, I, I, I really was like, I, this can't be. Like, there's not even a single person here of all the people that I... I mean, I literally probably could have connected almost to everybody else on those other two tribes. It was like, it was like that. Ugh. It was like, what is the deal here? But, the, you know, the universe sets up things on purpose. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in that. And Yeah, I, you were saying the other day. Yes. And um, so there's no accidents. I, I trust all that process very much. Yeah. So, yeah. so can you talk me through, I'd love to go through the three days. Okay. Um, so the, the, you, you get your blue buff. Your, yeah, I your, can't remember where we got the bluff. I don't remember where we actually got it. I buff. think, I think he threw it to you guys on the boat. Oh, your, right. So did you, did you see that? Were you there? We were on the beach. So we had like a pretty, a pretty bad view of it, but we saw it from a distance. Okay. Uh-huh. So you guys got the buffs yep. and you're there with your tribe. Yes. Can you talk me through the emotions and the feelings of like being on that boat as Jeff Probst is about to set you off on Survivor? Oh, first of all, being getting on the boat was awesome. Like, you just look around and you go, it's like, I am on Survivor. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. I, mean, I really always have wanted to be on this show. And um, so that was just cool in itself. 
And then of course you look, I'm looking around to see the food, there's crates of food around us. And I'm hoping there's maybe like a little note somewhere for an idol. Um, and, uh, and then when we were actually sitting in our tribes and then being in a place where we got thrown the buff and then he was explaining the challenge to us, I'm gonna jump off and go for a reward. Um, I was, I was thinking, game on, that's all I was thinking. And I did awesome in that first challenge. I got, you know, I said the guy, I had, you know, that he had asked me a question and I told him I was a competitive swimmer. I didn't tell him at the time that it was an Olympic swimmer. But then one of my tribe mates was like, cool, you can do the swimming piece kind of thing. So I'm like, yeah. So I, you know, threw a bunch of crates over, jumped over, was carrying three of them for a while. And he handed over one to somebody else because three is a little bit much to be carrying. And somebody else then took two, you know, this guy took two. And then we got two with the boat to put them in and that kind of thing. But no, I was psyched. I was ready to go. What did you think when you were on the Heroes Tribe? Well, for, you know, it's it's funny. I know I'm, I'm an Olympic swimmer, and I and uh, I mean, but I've done a lot of other cool things in my life beyond that. But I know for the show, I think that's one thing that they really were promoting is me being an Olympian. And so I honor the fact that that is a very a many eye, people's eyes. It's a heroic act in the sense of having accomplished that. Um, I personally don't see it so much that way, and so it was always interesting because the producers were always going, "But Trina, don't you see yourself as a hero?" And I'm like, "No, I don't." <laughs> I'm a human being who is maximizing my potential, going after what I love to do, and was pursuing it fully. And that's what I did. And then yes, a lot of characteristics that can be called heroic, but you know, I'd rather be, you know, like my to me, a hero is more like Mother Teresa or something. But don't true heroes think that way? Don't true heroes never think that they're actually heroes? Well, I really believe that every human being has the potential to be heroic in the in their acts. And if we're letting go of all of our limits that are on us, we can be amazing people. We have much more untapped potential than we realize. What do you think about the other guys who are in the heroes? Are they heroes? Yeah, I think everybody, well, I think I see how they put everybody's cast together. I mean, it's kind of interesting because there's the rock climber guy who I really love who's on the healer tribe. Cool. Yeah, and I, I actually think I would have fit better, way better with the healer tribe. And, and you're a therapist too, yes, right? Yes, I'm yeah. a therapist too, and I understand people, and I think even the Hustler tribe I would have fit in better. I think our, our tribe had so much pride. Yeah. And a lot of uh, repression almost. And so, um, you know, a lot of hard nuts to, sh to crack, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happens when you go back to the beach? You guys have Flint. You're starting to get to know each other. What are, what are those first? Oh, we love it. We found like... a spot. We found a spot. We worked very well together, the six of us. We were very action oriented, um, and we immediately started to decide. We made a decision on where the the, the shelter would go, where we we're going to have a fire pit, where we we're going to go to the bathroom because you're out in the woods or the ocean or something to have to go to the bathroom, and. Uh, um, yeah, we just did that kind of stuff, and so when we started gathering wood, bamboos, uh, bamboo, you know, things to build the shelter, and then we got palm leaves to build the roof, and it's a really cool scene. I really loved, I really, really loved our shelter. We had taken it, we, you know, I got up to this high spot, it was flat, big trees, and we were in the, kind of like a tree house. Yeah, I got to see it. It was cool. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, go, they let us come out on like the second day. Were you uh, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a quick minute. You're not uh, supposed to notice that I'm there. So if oh, you didn't yeah. see no, me, I, that's I, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how is that process? Like getting used to the cameras and stuff. Does that take a minute? Oh, yeah. A few times I would just say to the camera right in his face, dude, I'm going to get used to you. <laughs> and, I, and here's the funny thing, because people on my tribe, a lot of them are very rules oriented and I'm not, okay? And so they were freaked out by that. Like, Trina, you're not supposed to do that, you know? And I'd be like, oh, God, you guys, you know, it's okay to have a little fun, you know, it's okay. Right. So they talked a little bit about how you had, like, sales pitches for people. Were you going around and talking to the, to your fellow contestants about... Oh, like they had... They, yeah, yeah. What, was your, what was your spiel to them? Um, like well, here's the funny thing you. is, no one wanted to do strategy. Nobody. 
And in fact, even, you know, uh, I think some people were even scared of the whole idea, even though that's the game, right? I mean, so I tried to strategize with, you know, Ben initially, and he was freaked out by it. And What was your pitch to Ben? Well, I said, hey, you know, because I, I you know, checked people out, I felt like he was a very solid guy, very loyal, very earthy more than the other people that I could work with him. And he were different enough that we might not seem like we're going to be, a, you know, together so that people won't get threatened by it. It's not like we'd be hanging out all the time, you know. And um, he just, I think he was overwhelmed by it. And I think he's, he was also overwhelmed by the idea of even having to go to tribal. I said, yeah, this, is, this is one of many, you know, that's the game. He's like, I don't want to come back here. I'm like, you'll be coming back here. It's just yeah. the way it is. But, um, and then I had approached Christy because she's, I knew she was um, threatened to try to put, lump me with her to get me voted off first as a middle-aged woman, so to speak. Um, but, you know, we are so different. But um, she did a good job, though. I mean, she's, she, she's, she's, she has worked the people in the group more than anybody. Really? Yeah. Chrissy has? Yeah. In what way? Well, I feel like she, um, she has a softer feminine presence that, that makes people feel safer, but she gets a lot of information out of them, and then she uses it to get, her, to get them off. So you think she's playing well? Yeah. I think, she, I think she could win the game. I mean, I think she's that good at, yeah. that, at that piece. Physically, she's not strong. I think she gets a little nervous before the challenges, but um, I, I, and I think she... Did she grow up yesterday? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, she grew up, yeah. Um, and honestly, she could have, I mean, I was trying to get uh, Ashley and I was trying to make it so uh, that we had a few that could vote her off because I knew she was probably a big threat. Ashley. Yes. Yeah, so that no, no, was no, I'm sorry. No, uh, uh, Chrissy. Chrissy. Well, so you voted for Ashley last night. Well, I did and I did not want to because I think Ashley and I could have gone far in the game together. But for me to, well, to supposedly try and save myself, I had to go along with what we had so-called agreed upon, even though I knew it probably wasn't real. So what was that? What was this thing that you Well, we told? had, um, well, I had said to him, well, what do you want, you know, try and get it. Alan and uh, Chrissy and Ben to go um, vote somebody out, we're the, the so-called power couple that they were always talking about last night. And, um, and I really didn't want to vote Ashley because I really like Ashley, and I think she and I could have done well together in the game. Um, and she, But she was so mad at what happened with the Alan thing, even though she didn't quite believe if I was telling her the truth or not. And so then I just knew I was, I was over, you know. It was unfortunate. Like at that time, she didn't, I, was, I wasn't going to be able to fix it. I need to know what the Allen thing was because I was I was really surprised. You know, when I did you know these preseason interviews, yep. and I sat down with Allen, yes. and I was really struck that he's he's a really smart guy. Yes, he's a good guy. He's yeah. a he seems like a really good guy, uh, like a really calm guy who seemed like to have a really good you know. Well, he admitted to me privately plan. yesterday. He said, "I freaked out last night. I know I freaked out." And he also told me, I'm sorry I used your name. I said, well, I, I approached him twice about that. I said, what the hell are you thinking? You know, what, what, why'd you do that? But what was all of that? I don't, I'm, I'm still unclear on oh, what even oh. happened. Well, basically what happened was um, Ashley and I had gone to the beach to talk. And she, you know, she was telling me she actually wanted to vote Chrissy out. And that's her, you know, she really wanted to do that. And um, we, had, we were talking about strategy a little bit for the first time, really. And then he freaked out because she and I were talking alone. I mean, and, uh, and so he went up to her and said, Katrina told me you have the idol or something. And I, that's what I was told because then Ben told me that because then he went to Ben and whispered that to Ben while we were all laying in bed. And then Ben said, do you know this? I said, no, no, no. I said, well, no, I don't know kind of thing. And uh, bottom line is, uh, and then something happened where all of a sudden him and Ashley and JP are on the beach having it out for a good hour. And apparently getting naked yeah, I guess or something. Everything, I guess. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, good for him for making him do that, right? 
I mean, what the heck? I don't know that the strip search strategy has been implemented in Survivor before. That might be a first. Maybe, maybe. But, and of course, JP, who does not like emotion too much, he did not like it, obviously. And then he wouldn't even talk to me, even though the day before, he was kind of saying that we, you know, I said to him, hey, do you want to work together? And he basically uh, was like, yeah, I think you know what's going on and blah, blah, blah. But he's just so, so deadpan, you know. Um, he's, hopefully he can take in what Jeff said to him last night. Jeff is very good at saying what needs to be said for people to learn something. And that's what I'm really sad about because, you know, I'm a, I really believe if somebody's aware, we could all gain from that person. And Jeff is very aware of what's going on. And, and um, he, he, he hit it nail on the head with, you know, I, was, you know, I had thought kind of, because I'm very aware of what's going on and with my tribe. And I was at the same point going, well, okay, do I put this out there? But that's probably going to alienate myself even more. Yeah. You know, because I'm already a pretty darn strong presence that probably makes people a little weary. And I know that about myself. You know, I have intense energy. I'm very powerful in many ways. In a game like this, that can be intense, maybe. Yes, yes. And so I try to tone it down, but probably maybe, you know, I think in the end, I knew I wasn't connecting with the group, though. You I just mean, felt that? Oh, I knew, I knew. It was. How early did you feel that? Oh, pretty early on. Because, you know, they were just ripping on the Red Tribe, for example. And I'm sitting there thinking, what's the point? Like, these are people, guys, you know? We're playing against them. It's not like we're gonna beat them every time. You're trying to, like, dish them to make yourself feel better, and the reality is they're gonna be beating us probably at some point. And then they did. I mean, ironically, they did. And I mean, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm firm believer in visualization and seeing what's possible and knowing you can win. But, uh, and I really believe it can work, a lot of that. But you have to be realistic about it and not be in denial, too. I mean, these games are set up so that, you know, um, they say the puzzle is the great equalizer. You know, oh, like, it is an equal. I mean, it's you know, all, you yeah. can go so hard, and you can yeah. you can go down that hayride real quick, and yeah. you can get to. And the we puzzle. were we were winning until the hay- and I wasn't totally in agreement with the puzzle we chose. I would have chose I would have chosen the straight one. Yeah. And I mentioned that for the second choice, but no one else really wanted to do that. They just thought no way. But I think they were thinking too complicated rather than you know because if you balance it right, it'll go. And obviously, they end up winning. So it's an interesting deal. But, you know, you just take your chances and hope it works. So when I spoke with everybody, I had a great day. This is a great cast. You know, a lot of really interesting personalities oh, with yeah. really interesting in-depth stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I loved speaking with everybody. I did find it difficult to talk to JP. I thought that he, he you know, when you guys talked about the wall, that yeah. everyone had run into a wall with JP, I certainly felt that myself. What was your experience with JP? Well, you know what's funny? I think I actually probably talked to him more about real things than other people probably had. Interesting. And yet, on a deep level, but on a social level, he and I can't hang out. I mean, he likes to drink beer. Do I mean he like he just you know he's a young guy. I'm a middle aged woman. And he thought I was like before I told him I was an Olympian. He just thought of me like, oh, you gonna be okay lifting that piece of wood? I mean, I was like, dude, she have no fucking idea. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's a, uh, it's just almost it was almost annoying because it's you know. I finally had to give it to him a couple times to shut the heck up because it's like, you know, get over your projection about who I am and what I can do because I'm way better than you think I am. And, um, but no, he and I had some real conversation about like, you know, fitness and sport and, and, um, even like last night when he mentioned it to Jeff, I was the one that talked to him about that. I was just saying, well, they make it so these things end up being equal so that you're not, we're not going to be way ahead winning the game. The challenges, very often the challenges are pretty even. You know? Yeah, they're designed to be a nail yeah. biter. Yes. You know, yeah. they want yep. they want some drama at the end. Yeah. It and, usually goes that way. Yep. And so that's, he mentioned that last night at the tribal, obviously that they, that they created a good game that way. Yeah. But you guys connected on on some issues, maybe not socially, but yeah, socially. I mean, to hang out day to day and you know just talk. I don't think he and I would be so good. But no, on on, on more real stuff, we connected. 
This yeah. talk about the power couple, do you buy any of that? Is oh, any of yeah. that real? So here's the funny thing. I actually talked to them. I, was, we, I actually teach human sexuality for a college and sports psych and general psych. And I mean, sports psychology is my favorite, but I was actually talking to him and Ashley about orgasms and we were talking about sex. I mean, we were talking a little bit of that stuff one day just for, you know, just talking, which was fun, you know. There's a little bit of flirtiness that's going on with each other. You know, he's kind of feeling her out and, and uh, she was kind of feeling him out. She actually went to sleep with his shirt one night. I mean, you know, stuff like that, but there was nothing happening. I need to get some water, actually. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Do you mind if I just have a little bit yeah, of Yeah, you can just have yeah. the whole thing. Do you, you, you want pause? Or yeah, yeah no, you can keep going. Okay. It's fine. <coughs> I don't have cooties, I swear. I'm good. Hopefully you're okay. Yeah, no, you can just have the whole thing. It's totally good. Sorry. I no don't. worries. <clears throat> all of a sudden, my throat's bugging me. Yeah. Um, the good news is you get all the cold water you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I love being out there. I did the food and the way we were living. I was totally fine with it. It was good. We had lots of food from our winning the game. Yeah. So, you know, we were set. Yeah. Um, what was I saying now? So about, you know, Alan has this whole idea that these two are a power couple well, Alan in freaked the game. out. He admitted it to me. I mean, he didn't say it so much last night, but he knows he freaked out. He got a little paranoid. And the funny thing is, you know, he was good with people. I mean, it's like he didn't need to do that. And they weren't really a power couple, but everybody was concerned about it. He did a good job creating a mess and uh, making them all paranoid, right? I mean, and do you think he was stirring that pot intentionally, or do you think it was a mistake I think on he his did, end? It was a mistake on his end that he told me. He tried to turn it into a strategy last night, of course, which, you know, is smart if you're playing the game, right? But the funny thing is, it was a mistake that turned into a very good thing possibly for him. Because it made everybody put the you know energy. We almost voted. You know, people were almost thinking you know trying to get somebody else out. So. Oh, I was I was wondering at a certain point if he was talking himself into a grave. You know, I. Well, I think it, he still believed, even though he I knew at that point that I was probably going to be gone. So, um, that he still thought that they they might turn on him still. Oh, he still believed that. Yeah. Yeah, he's ready to go home if he had to go home. Um, when did you know that you were probably Well, the day the before, I, I looked for the idol for a couple of hours. And it's not easy looking, finding the idol. I mean, I went in trees. I, I almost got my feet, my hands cut off by like some crab crawling in one. And, and uh, I was digging underneath the, around the well and the tree mail. I, I went probably like 100 yards worth of woods and went through all the trees and around trees, looked around to see if I could find anything to give me a clue. And I did not find anything. Then yesterday I went and looked for a little bit, but I just, I knew that, you know, it's pretty hard. You know, you have to, you have to, you need a lot of time to look. And I didn't have a lot of time yesterday because yeah. we had uh, press interviews back there. So it was, people couldn't go back there for a while. And, um, but yeah, when I was looking, I was, believe me, I was looking for a while because I knew intuitively that I wasn't jiving. Like we'd be all hanging out like for dinner. Like this one time and everybody's just ripping on the red tribe the whole time. And I just don't, I don't know. I just don't see the point of that. Well, you also have to play with these people eventually. I know. You know, like, you know, if, know. if, you, if you proceed in the game, like, I you're know. eventually going to cross paths with these people. I know. I just don't, I don't know. I, I think sometimes people don't need to put other people down to raise themselves up, and maybe that's what was happening a little bit, you know? So was it fun looking for idols, even if you didn't find anything? Yeah, it was still fun. I know you're a big fun. Survivor fan. Oh, my God. Well, I, it was very fun to play the game. I'm very sad that I'm out this early. I mean, it's almost unbelievable, you know? And, you know, just, it's, it's very unfortunate. Because I was really, what I was most excited about is all the challenges. They are a blast. You know, that, that first one was awesome. We were, like, actually ran into all the hay. The hay goes flying everywhere. I mean, it's cool. You know? What about that first one, the the paddling out and the racing for, for fire? Oh, yeah, was that was that, good, too. Was that, that was exhilarating? Yes. Well, we've been sitting around so long waiting, right? And all of a sudden, boom, you're on. It was like, uh, you know, your body's going, woo, okay, we're going. It was over fast, though. That was a fast boom. You know, you, that challenge was quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. it was pretty swift. Yeah. Um, what's your take on Ashley? I like Ashley. I think she, you know, it's funny. When I first saw her without having talked to her, she can come across as kind of uh, hard, and I think she wants to come across that way. But she's actually very much a, you know, young, innocent girl trying to find her way in life, you know? 
do you think she's doing well out there? Oh, I think so. I think she needs to play the game more. I mean, her and JP don't know to strategize, and you need to strategize, otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I'm so surprised that nobody seemed to want to Did you feel that? Did you know that strategy. too? Not from your tribe. I mean, everybody that talks to me, I mean, you did the same thing. So, like, anyone who comes and talks to me, yeah. they're just talking about they can't wait to play. Yeah. And they're going to do all of this stuff. Yeah. So, my thinking is that everyone's just going to get out there and, and blow up and play. Um, and they don't. And I didn't have that sense, you know, just from Big the... time, no. Yeah. yeah, they were threatened by that. And when I actually tried to play gently with people, I mean, I was if I was on this one that's currently playing, what's this one called? Game uh, Changers. Game Changers. I would have been slow out the gates, you know? The but way I, that you were coming out yeah, this time. Yeah, and they thought I was way aggressive. And it's like, no freaking way, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not even close to that. So, um, yeah, no, it's an interesting deal that way. I think the tribe I'm on is a very unique, you know, every group, I mean, every individual creates a different dynamic in a group. And I'm very mindful and aware of all that. And so, and it's like, if you don't fit energetically with the other people, you're going to be out somehow, you know, and the same thing, you know, I'm sure it's the same with any tribe that goes on. And so it's a interesting dynamic when you know that's happening. So I was like a day before I got, you know, voted out, I knew that I wasn't gelling with these people. I, they, I, don't, I think they didn't quite know what to do with me. You know, I don't follow the rules like they follow the rules. And, you know, I, you know, I just, there's just certain things that, you know, I'm in a meditation. I, you know, I finally just said, screw it, I'm going to go on the beach and do my thing, you know. And they probably just think I'm a kooky, you know, you know, a little bit eccentric or whatever person. They, they don't, and then yet they know I'm an Olympian and they don't quite know what that, that all means. And meanwhile, I'm talking to some people so that scares them. So, yeah, they didn't know, they couldn't, they couldn't define me, probably. You, uh, you called an audible at the end of Tribal Council. You know, after, after Jeff says, like, if you guys want to keep it going, you guys can keep it going. And so you decided, I'm going to say one more thing before yep. we go and vote. Can you talk me through that moment a little yeah, bit? I don't remember what I said exactly, but um, I, I kind of knew I was always, it was already over. But I, and I was pretty soft, actually, and insane. But I wanted people to know. I mean, I'd already talked to Ben earlier that, you know, I, I hope I, you know, I know I probably came across across. He's like, yeah, you know, because I think he just he was kind of freaked by that. And, um, and I knew I talked to Chrissy. And I think they actually thought I was playing the game too much almost. And, I mean, which I don't really think I was at all. But if you actually were to see tape. But the, um, I basically, in that, in that time, I just said, you know, look, guys, you know, you may see me as that way, but I'm, the good thing about me is I'm very, I'm very much about integrity and truth and here to be able to, and I'm a very hard worker. I, mean, I did a lot of stuff around camp, and I also guided people in what we did a lot, you know, making decisions. Like, I'm the one who decided where we're going to put the, you know, but I, it's not like I was looking for, like, yell, good job, Trina, you know. And so I, I hung back, like, even when we did the first reward challenge, I said, hey, how, who wants to get, get in the boat, you know, so that we can get the stuff up. And so I was very good to, you know, I'm pretty good at being a chief without having to be, like, bossy. Yeah. And um, I think, so I did that a few times, and so things would just sort of flow. Yeah. And as a group, I thought we did really well, you know, doing things like that. Um, did it cross, when, when Jeff said, who, who would you cast your vote for? Instead, you didn't put a person's name out there when you spoke to everybody, when you, when you gave them this speech. Do you wish that you had? Do you think that that would have changed anything? If I cast out a vote to say for that night, no, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. It, I knew it was done. Yeah. It's just locked up. I didn't know for sure it was locked up. I mean, I had this thing going that we were going to do this, you know, split two votes and see that I can flush the idol out. But you're intuitive. Yeah. Oh, I was, I knew the day before. And it's like, it wasn't like I was looking for it. And I said it to the producer, and he's like, well, how do you know that? I just said, I know. And I did, this is before we even, like, had the challenge. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even, so believe me, I did not want to lose. But I just saw how, I, now in hindsight, I go, my higher self, I believe, no, knew. 
you know, there's a purpose for, I mean, believe me, mentally on a conscious level, I wanted to win this thing. I mean, badly. I just like, but I have to trust that like, there's a reason why I'm in this position I'm in that I got voted off, you know, first. And I, um, you know, it's the fact that we lost the challenge. I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is, I think some of these people in our tribe, they really believe we're going to, like, win five in a row. And they're just totally naive to the fact of how Survivor works. You know, you guys are in good shape. Like, I would believe it, too. Like, oh, yeah. It's a good-looking tribe. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're a very strong tribe. We should have won in many ways, but not when you have puzzles at the end. Yeah. Um, so so the vote goes down, uh, and it, and it's you. What do you remember? What What is it like to go and get your torch snuffed by Jeff Probst? Is that pretty surreal? You know, I, I, you know, I was so in to make sure I got my torch in the hole that I wasn't even thinking at that moment. I think what more importantly, I really, um, there was a guy who had helped build the set for the tribal council, and he made a comment: "Make sure you." Pre- I know it's hard to want us to do this, but make sure you appreciate it. He said, and I have to say, walking in there was be- it's a beautiful set. You're walking in with like you know candles and lights and torches all lit on this walkway that's leading up to the kind of like a ramp. And then you're, there's like a beautiful, all these candles, like in a big, like not a pond or a bowl, but like, you know, pretty big set where you're looking at these, you know, well, it's very well lit with, you know, flames of fire and uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and uh, beautiful design. And so, no, yeah, it's cool with the torch. Um, I had my initials on it, I noticed. And um, you, when I took it over to him, I was more making sure I was at that time following the rules, I guess, <laughs> doing what I was supposed to do. For once, yeah, following exactly, the rules. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the production stuff, like yeah. maybe you got to stick to the script a little. You seem like you're in really good spirits. You know, this is a game. I mean, this doesn't define who I am by any means, you know? It's, uh, if I made this about life or death, I'd be miserable, right? I, you know, I have to, it's, uh, I mean, of course I'm really sad about it. I'm sad. I mean, I'm most sad that I don't get to play the game. You know, especially the challenges I was really looking forward to. Because, I mean, I'd be awesome in all that stuff, and it's unfortunate. They all think that they are all high and mighty and can do all these things with a lot of other stuff that I can do that they can't do. And so it is what it is. I, I, I said to the producers out there, I said, man, I, I knew right away I needed to be hoping that there would be a merge or switch or something very fast because I knew I was in trouble with the group I had. That Even though I was trying to connect with them um, energetically, it's just, you know, when energies don't match, it don't match, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember you saying that you you wanted this experience to be like a healing experience for you. You know. The- oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm very into transformation, and mm-hmm. so the thing I'm also very sad about because I think Jeff. I was looking forward to hearing Jeff's comments along the way and and thinking about them because he's very insightful, and so I was looking forward to being him in, in it. It's kind of like having, you know, it's not therapy, but it's like you kind of, if you're really being in tune with who you are, you can learn a lot from him. Like last night, JP could gain a lot from what Jeff said to him. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, you just, if you pay attention, it's, it can be very powerful for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just sad it's over so fast. Yeah. But you're still in beautiful Fiji. Yeah, yeah. It's still nice out here. There's a yeah. nice little breeze not, coming in. This is not the same as the place I was, though. Yeah, no. No, it's that, not. I mean, that's really the dirt and the grime. Yeah. Well, this is a beautiful beach. I mean, that was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be listening to this in like six months, something like that. Uh-huh. What do you want to say to that, Katrina, in six months? What's six months from now? That's going to be like August, August, September. I guess after the premiere. This is going to come out the day after. What do I want to say? What, to what, what, what does that, Katrina, want to hear, do you think? <laughs> Life's good. I mean, you know, like, it, it's a game. It's a... No, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really glad I had, got to have the opportunity to be on Survivor. I mean, I, I'm... It, Having gone through casting and seen how many people actually got sent home, I mean, I, it's a big, arduous task that they have on their hands to create the dynamics that they're looking for for, for groups. Um, it is interesting what they did here, I feel like, because uh, 
a lot of people who were on the healer tribe could have been on the hero tribe. I think anybody could have been on other tribes, but they have, they have to put somebody somewhere. They probably are trying to make it so they have certain people who can swim or who are strong versus not. You know, all of that has to be done right so that they can work together, right? Yeah. So um, it's, you know, that, that piece is uh, interesting in, in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I guess one way to look at it is that, you know, you're the first person voted out of Survivor. Yep. But another way to look at it is you're 18th place out of, like, what, like, you know, 10,000 oh, people I'm who apply? I'm not, my, I'm not worried about being first out. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a game. We lost the first challenge. Somebody's got to go home. Yeah. It was me. So it is what it is. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you, can get, you can get really wrapped up and have your pride get hurt and all that kind of stuff, but I'm pretty solid inside. So I love good. that. That's yeah. great. I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. All right, cool stuff. I yeah. think we're set. So what advice would you have to the person who is getting voted out of Survivor Season 35 first, the latest person to join the first boot club? Embrace all the opportunities that they're going to get in getting a free six-week vacation somewhere. You know, I am sure that if Survivor was not in the picture at all, but somebody just came up to them on the street and said, hey, how would you like a free all-expense-paid vacation to Tahiti or wherever it is that they're going to go, then... I'm sure they would be like, oh, heck yeah, and they would be very excited about it. So don't let the disappointment of being first voted out taint this opportunity that they've been given. You're not alone. There's a group of us that have been voted off first, and we know how you feel. You know, reach out to us, hit us up on Twitter when your show comes out. Like, I'm always happy to talk to first boots. Um, I would tell them, you know, I, I know that it sucks, but hold your head up. You know, um, hold your head up. You know, things could be a lot worse. You know, you got the opportunity to play this game, which is a life and a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like I, I was the first person voted out, and I still like. If I knew this was gonna play out again. If I go back, I knew it was still gonna play out again, the same way that it did the first time. I would still do it because it was an amazing experience. Just going out, meeting all these great people, the the cast, you know, the people behind the scenes, everything was amazing. So just because you lost doesn't make you a failure. You know, you're amazing for even being on the show. And hold your head up. That's what I would tell them. You know, always, always, I don't care what the situation is, you know, try to find the positives. And so the positives are they were chosen out of I don't know how many applicants were on there this season. No, I know for my first season, it was 50,000 applicants. So this person was chosen out of all of those people to get the opportunity to even go out there. I know people right now who have tried out for 16 years and haven't got on yet. So they at least got that experience. So, you know, think of those things. It doesn't mean anything about who you are in your life. And I think that's really important to understand. Like, you can be a loser in Survivor and a winner at life. You can be a winner on Survivor and a loser at life. Survivor is not real life. It's a television show. And just because you got voted out first on some television show doesn't mean anything about your character, about who you are. Hold your head high. You have cast on a show 
thousands of people want to get on. You made it onto the show. And to be honest, a lot of times people get voted out first because you're a threat, because people are afraid of you. So my advice is that you define you. You don't let other people define who you are and your experience. Yes, you were technically the first person voted out, but that doesn't mean that you suck. It doesn't mean that you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're unlikable. It doesn't mean that, you know, the, the crazy thing about Survivor is that there is no rhyme or reason to how things turn out so much of the time. Like you take a person who won one season and you put them in the mix on a different season and they're the first person voted out or they're the third person voted out or they're, you know, like it's so, it's such a combination of factors that are outside of your control that it feels so personal, but it really isn't. You just got, you were just that person. It had to be someone and it's, and it's you. And the question is now, what do you do with that? You got to chalk it up to, hey, you didn't, you didn't see it coming. A lot of it is luck. A lot of it is luck. A lot of it is other people being afraid. We can't control it all. So just hold your head high. You made it on the show. Throw some laughs at it. Just remember that time you went on Survivor and did awful? Oh, well, it is what it is. There's plenty of other things that you won't do awful in. So just keep living. I think to the extent that you can make peace with it and you can wear it as a badge of honor, the better off you'll be. Um, if you're just resisting it, like, uh, I wish that didn't happen, I suck, suck, regret, 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 you'll just be stuck there. And then, yeah, you will be that first boot, and that will be your legacy, but it doesn't have to be. You know, it's only a game. And um, whether it's Survivor or you're playing canasta with friends or uh, poker in Las Vegas, you lose some, you win some. It is only a game. And, uh, don't personalize it that you are a loser. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that. All solid advice from people who know a thing or two about being the first one out. But here's the good news. Katrina Radke doesn't need it. She's good. Months after our conversation at Ponderosa, we speak again. And even now that Katrina has become one with the ancient voices of Survivor history, she's as upbeat as ever. Katrina, how are you? Long Josh time. Wiggler. Oh I my know gosh. I miss you. I miss you I too. Miss you. <laughs> how are you doing, Katrina? Uh, I am just calm as, you know, like the calm ocean, you know? <laughs> calm as the sea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking We're talking as we're about a, a week away from this episode airing. How are you feeling with everything? Butterflies? Are you feeling nervous at all? Oh, God, no, I'm totally excited. We're going to throw a big private party here in Excelsior, Minnesota, and we're going to do it up. We're going to have some fun. Katrina Radke was the first one out from Survivor Heroes vs. Healers vs. Hustlers. But her Survivor experience didn't end on night three. Indeed, it was only the beginning of her adventure. Oh, well, I think the most awesome part about Survivor is being able to go out into this beautiful, uh, you know, being in Fiji is just an amazing adventure, being in the nature. There's a, you know, pre-game, there's a pre-game and there's a game and there's a post-game. And obviously my post-game was longer than I expected, but it was a, that had its own, you know, beauty in it, in the sense that, you know, the people I got to spend time with there was like my, another whole tribe beyond the game. It's, uh, it's, that's a part of the whole experience, too, that was really quite life-inspiring, you know, being able to embrace these people as they came off the show after me 
and being able to, you know, come into our own community, which which was really fun. Did you feel like you were the the captain of the pregame tribe? You were the you were the captain of the welcoming committee. Right? Okay, I'm Queen of Ponderosa. I'll make sure I invite that second person off when they come and the third, you know, and so on. And um, so yes, we became the welcoming committee on that side. But, you know, I did love playing the game, though, I have to say that. And there's so many elements of the game. I'm sad I did not get to play more of the actual physical game that you get to do in the challenges. I think that would be really cool. And um, But I do, I did love what I got to be able to do. And obviously, being on Survivor was a dream come true. And, you know, it was like on my bucket list. And so I got to do it, which is... Uh, awesome. You, you know that I've talked to a bunch of other people who have gone through the same experience by now, you know, people who have uh, gone home first before. And one of the things that I have asked all of them is what advice do they have for the first one out? And now I want to turn the question to you because you're the first one out of season 35, but there will be other first ones out. There will be other people who have gone through oh, the experience yeah, that yeah. you're going through. What advice do you have to those people? Well, it's funny. I think... Um, I think some people might feel really bad about being the first person out. And yes, I mean, it's, you know, obviously for me, I wanted to play more of the game. But I think it's important to realize that you get to love who you are and accept who you are and it doesn't define you. It's kind of like, you know, being put in the hero tribe and being, you know, you know, still people defining me because of something I did in the swimming. And, you know, we are much bigger than all of those things. We all are amazing in so many ways. And we all make mistakes, but that's part of the human journey that we all get to be on, which is also powerful in its own way. And so love yourself, have fun, embrace it all, you know, like it's all perfect. There's nothing wrong with, just because you're the first one out doesn't mean it's something you screwed up on necessarily, or that was, you know, there's, there's so much more that could happen. If you play the game another time, it could happen differently. So I don't know, I don't dwell on um, too much of why I mean I have some ideas of things I you know maybe might do differently but at the same time I really appreciate the fact that I am who I am my imperfections and all and um, I get to embrace that and you know I think it's easy for society to get too caught up in defining somebody by um, what happens because of an outcome that happened in their life so for example if you win something they think oh you're this kind of person and meanwhile well if you lose something you must be this and that's not necessarily true. So that's probably my advice is to not get too hung up in, you know, getting too confident a limited belief around something that happened. Katrina's parting wisdom, don't get too caught up, is good advice for anyone to hear let alone the 17 other heroes, healers, and hustlers still in the game. But for us as an audience, Katrina's fall signals the rise of the game proper. And as such, the players have no choice but to get caught up in the game, as they fight tooth and nail to keep their flames alive. We don't have an option, no going back down now, we just gotta go to the top. I've been playing Survivor for my entire life. I've got 10 brothers and sisters, and I've been making decisions for as long as I can remember. Obviously, this game is never certain but i'm gonna be trying my hardest i'm gonna be watching my back like my grandmother always told me and uh i'm gonna win i'm a competitor like through and through and i love to compete i love to win you know if you never try you'll never know so i'm out here just to win shit there's nothing i enjoy more than people who were smug and then get 
just slapped in the face. Yeah. There's no way you can predict how this game is going to go or end up. Yeah, the evolution of this game is so crazy because you have to make moves to win. You can't just slide by anymore and go unnoticed. Like, you have to be making big moves. I've learned that life is a head game and you have to play it and you have to do it well. I know how to play head games. I know how to be assertive and I know how to get what I need and I want because you have to, you have to fight. It tests you on so many different levels, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. If I'm not the first person out, I really think I have a good chance of winning this thing. You know, I got my little sister back home. She has a uh, blood disorder called ITP. She uh, has to do with her platelets and things like that. And it's an autoimmune disorder. And uh, so pretty much what I'm gonna do is if, uh, if I win or you know, make it through far enough, whatever, being able to donate some of the proceeds towards, uh, towards her foundation so that way you can find a cure. And, you know, she doesn't have to deal with that thing anymore. I really look to play this game a different way. I really do. And I think being true to myself and who I am, but to throw somebody off a cliff and then help them understand and appreciate why you throw them off the cliff is strong as hell. <laughs> and I plan on making people understand that. You know, I'm here, I'm here to secure the bag. That's what I'm here for, you know. I play Survivor literally every day, and there's nothing that these guys could throw at me that I haven't seen or heard or been through before, you know. But no, nobody's gonna be looking at me and my turtle like, and being like, wow, that, how, does, how does he do it? How does, he's got it all together. I'm ready to play hard and, you know, stab people in the back, no worries, yeah. I think it's been a long time since it, an older woman has won this game, and I think they put me in this game for a reason, because they know that I can pull it off. So, Winning this, coming home with a million dollars, makes a difference. Would make a huge difference. For his part, Jeff Probst has an outlook on Survivor that aligns closely with Katrina's mantra. At the end of our interview on day one, with weeks still to go before Survivor Game Changers has reached its conclusion on television. In the very first days of Survivor Triple H's production, with pre-production on the next season already well underway, and actual filming only a few weeks away, Probst had every reason to feel pulled in too many directions. And yet, he was as calm as the ocean, as a wise woman once said. As we closed out our conversation... Probst revealed to me his greatest secret of all, the secret of his seemingly eternal youth. Do yourself a favor and pay attention. How do you sleep? And I don't mean because you're so busy, but because you're, you know, 34 is still in, in you know, it's in post-production, it's wrapping up, and it's still airing as we're talking right now. You're just starting production on 35. You have to have an eye on 36 right now. Right. Uh, and then there's also just so much adrenaline, I have to imagine. Right. Not just, you know, beating through the contestants, but beating throughout the crew and beating throughout your heart as well. How do you, how do you slow it down? Can you slow it down? Yeah, you know, it's funny you ask that. I was listening to some really smart people talking a few weeks ago and they talked about how important it was for them to step away from their process, from their job. They were in the creative same world. And I completely understood what they were saying. And it's, I was just talking with Matt about this. I am so able to turn this show off. Like when we're done with this interview, I will turn it off. I'll go have something to eat. I'm not thinking about what's happening on the binge beach. watch a show. Maybe Read binge a watch a show. Maybe it's day one. Maybe not there yet. But meaning like, Matt's got the beaches covered. Art department's good to go. We got a chopper in the air. We got medical department. Everybody here runs this show. We all run it together. My name's just at the top. That's the only difference. 
And so what I've noticed is by walking away from it, it lets me come back 100% again. Because when I'm in, like you talk about the marooning, I am, I am so inside the marooning. I'm inside every person's head. I'm editing as we go. If that didn't sound good, I want something else. I'll dig and dig and dig. And then when it's over, I can't remember what happened. And I'll say to Matt, was that good? And he'll go, yeah, it was great. I go, yeah, I can't remember. Matt. So I think the lesson I'm learning is in the chaos, if you just slow down, you can find the clarity and you can find the path. And instead of it looking like one big disaster, you go, oh my God, it's actually parting perfectly. You just go through that tree and around that bend and we're here. And the same with any, any business, I would say, man, walk away. When you, when you stop working for the weekend, stop. Because I used to be the guy that would work all weekend and Sunday night and then look at it again Monday morning and then turn it in and go, ah, turned it in too soon, I should have changed something. Now I'm like, it's there, it'll be there, we'll be good. It's good advice for me to hear, honestly. Is it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Jeff, I think that's good. It's April 5th, 2017, late at night. An electric didgeridoo purrs in the darkness, an unholy noise in the middle of the Fijian wilderness. It's a generator, about a two-minute walk downhill from the sacred site of Tribal Council. And it's about to go to sleep, as crew members work tirelessly to put Tribal down for the evening. Soon, this Tribal Council will go to sleep for good, when Season 35 reaches the end of the line on Night 39. The Survivor Gods, such as they exist, will produce more Tribal Councils in the future, and eventually those tribal councils will go to sleep as well. Someday, the survivor gods themselves will rest their heads, and all of this will be gone. One day, perhaps without any of us even knowing it, somebody will become the last one out. It's painful to consider. For those of us sucked deep into the survivor vortex, the vast majority of whom have never set foot on survivor soil, let alone played a minute of the actual game. This is a universe that means more than words can express. But all things eventually go away, slowly fading, not unlike how the bodies of the castaways wither away while they starve and struggle to outlast each other, until the lights finally cease, the generator shuts down, and the torch is fully snuffed. In the contemplation of that hopefully far-off future, It's worth taking some advice from someone who has seen this universe rise and fall time and time again. You know, they talk about the survivor guys. Like, that's a thing that gets talked about a lot. In in a way, I mean, like, you guys are creating a universe. Yeah, that's that's the good thing. That's the kick that we get out of it. You know, it's 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 really funny to see especially when you're on day one and you can see someone how that they basically step out of one reality and when Jeff says, okay, the game is on, and they're jumping off the side of a boat, and they're swimming in that, they're, they're basically jumping into another reality for 39 days. And watching that play out is, I mean, it's, it's the best job ever. I mean, you can, it's like watching little, you know, people living a dream somehow. It's incredible. What does it feel like when you have to destroy the universe? <laughs> yeah, that's sad, but, you know, it, it also feels like, you know, when you... 
you draw something and you erase it all out and you get to draw something again, you know, so it's always, we can always do another reality. Worlds know? upon worlds upon yeah, worlds. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And it's always left in our heads. We always remember it. Other people lived it. That's what it's all about. And we've got DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Awesome, good stuff, man. I really Thanks. appreciate it. Would you play again? Oh, I think I would have to talk to Jeff Probst about that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you had your choice. I'd go. I'd have to, I'd have to check it out again, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> well, I'll just say this. My husband and my kids want me to go again. They think I, they think I uh, you know, they, they know. And um, so they just think it's important I go back. I'll just leave it like that. I'll just call a phone call with Jeff on that one. You ask me if I'd do it again. People ask me if I'd do it again. And uh, here's a, a little parody I, I wrote to that, answer that question. I want to go back to my little grass shack on Pulautiga. I want to be with all the rats and snakes I used to know. Just kidding. I can hear the waves are lapping on the shores of Toggy Beach. I can hear Jeff Probst announcing the tribe has spoken. You're the first one voted off. It won't be long till my ship will be sailing back to Borneo. A grand old place that's always there to see. You're telling me I'm just an old survivor who got no loot. I want to go back to where I got the boot. I want to go back to my little grass shack on Pulautiga, where the toggies and pagongs and rattanas got to play. Yeah, where the toggies and pagongs and rattanas got to First One Out, a Survivor preseason podcast, was written, hosted, and produced by Josh Wiggler. That's me, I'm Josh. It's a co-production between The Hollywood Reporter and Rob Has a Podcast. Taryn Armstrong was our editor. And not only is he a robot, he is an absolute rock star without whom this project simply would not be possible. Give him some love on Twitter, at ArmstrongTaryn. And check out his incredible interview podcast series, The Taryn Show, at robhasawebsite.com slash Show. Credit for the beautiful music in this series goes to the great Fijian musicians Solo and Sato, as well as the great Sonia Christopher, the very first one out ever. Thanks once again to Sonia, Tina Wesson, Francesca Hoagie, Darnell Hamilton, and Vitas Bushkowskis for sharing stories from their survivor experiences on this podcast. Special thanks as well to the team at The Hollywood Reporter for all of their ongoing support. And special thanks once more to Rob Sesternino and the RHAP family for their support. Speaking of support, all of my love and thanks to Emily Fox, Leopardo DiCaprio, and the late, great Isabella Catalini. 
to whom this podcast is dedicated. Shout out to the Triple H Press Corps for making my trip out to Fiji one of the best weeks of my life, and also for saving my life. You all know who you are. If I could, I would tip every single hat in the world in the direction of the Survivor crew, who have carried the torch for this epic adventure for all of these years. Their heroic hustle continues to heal the countless number of people who are touched by this show. Here's hoping they continue to dream up new ways to pay tribute to the Survivor gods for many seasons to come. Finally, hats off to the heroes, healers, and hustlers of Season 35 for the sacrifices they made in order to play and their direct participation in this podcast. Especially the Olympian Katrina Radke, the first one out. Keep shining. Head to THR.com Survivor for continuing coverage of the series, including weekly exit interviews, recaps, conversations with Probst, and more. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RoundHoward all season long for more messages from the past as the castaways come off the show, back when they were all still bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. This is the end of First One Out, but I'll be podcasting Triple H all season long with Rob Sesternino in The Wiggle Room. Subscribe to that podcast and more at robhasawebsite.com slash iTunes. Survivor returned on September 27th, and First One Out concluded on September 28th. What song was that? Uh, it's a love song. It's a love song? Yeah. Cool. I started off with a piece of a do you, do you want to do one more? Alright. Okay, hang on one sec. Okay. Epilogue Survivor Season 36 Day 2 So Jeff Probst, here we are again Yeah Uh, I think almost exactly two months to the day I love that you're back I love that this is a regular stop on your journalism tour I would never miss it for the world As long as you guys are willing to have me, I will be here Love Um, it So two months to the day, about two or so weeks since Heroes vs. Healers vs. Hustlers ended. Yep. How'd it go? Oh, it was fun. It was it was fun. And it's, uh, I'm still hoarse, I think, from the end of that season. It's a really fun, I think it's fair to say, dramatic finish. I think people are going to be, you know, on the edge of their seats, rooting for one or another person, and you aren't going to know which way it's going all the way up through Final Tribal. You know, uh, I remember when we were getting up to season 30, Survivor Worlds Apart, and, you know, a lot of people expected, like, the big all-star season, uh, like, some sort of big celebratory thing, and you had this classic line of, uh, I think it was Mark Burnett who relayed this to you, and then you relayed it back, which was, it's season 30, but it's just season 30. Yeah. 35 is also a big number. Uh, Why? I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just like the odd numbers and like every five it feels like we're just moving the ball and moving the goalposts forward just a little tiny bit. Was there any sensation to any kind of milestone finishing 35? No. 500th episode was a big one, which was the premiere of of Game Changers. 
No, 35 did not feel ceremonial in that way, but it, it's so weird to, to talk about Survivor with such reverence, but obviously I've dedicated almost two decades of my life to it. Every season for me is another massive journey from a storytelling point of view, from a personal growth point of view. And so I look at them all as like my favorite kids. I love all of them the same. And I know that can seem really silly, but I do believe if, if everybody got the chance to work on Survivor and be a part of it, they would have the same sense of pride. We really do care. We want to make a show that pleases our audience. For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wigler. First one out is over, but a new adventure begins in 2018. Thank you so much. Thank you again, guys. It's at the Banaka.